gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Well, not the Mr. Warren Hayes Show, but the G1 Recap. Um, Yeah, G1 Recap, G131 Climax. It's coming to an end. This is my second to last recap that we are going to be doing here uh, tonight. We are very, very, very close. Um, but yeah, there you go. I mean, this is where we're at, right? This is, this is the thing and it is fantastic. And we are going to be moving forward here, right here on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. I mean, we're itching. We're getting so close to the end here. We're getting so very close to the end and things are, things are coming full circle to a certain degree, right? To a certain well, to a certain, more than a certain degree. We're kind of seeing where the, where the wind is blowing. Now, let's bring this all together. I'm going to go through the matches, of course, as I usually do. Maybe, you know, we won't maybe go in as much in depth as in regards to some of the matches. But uh, we are going to head on over to, uh, but we are going to be discussing, though. One thing we are going to be discussing is uh, the... Um, the 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 probable outcomes here right this is what we're going to to try and do here the 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 probable outcome especially well the, I'm, we're talking about uh block a right because block a there's a couple of scenarios that we're going to chat about all right let's get to it then let's start go right in let's go right in night 15 which was October 13th. Started off with uh, Tomohiro Ishii defeating Yujiro Takahashi. The Tokyo Pimp! Block A still had a few things that were possible. There were a few openings here. Ishii needed this wing, wing, this win to even be remotely considered to be in contention. The rest of the evening wouldn't go so well for, for Tommy Ishii's uh, chances. wouldn't be uh wouldn't wouldn't go so well Yujiro here's in control for the first part of the match here even if Ishii tries his best to fight back it looks like like in this match it looks like Yujiro has a, an answer for everything right like he's just countering any everything until Ishii hits a power slam then Yujiro hit lands a fisherman's buster Ishii hits a suplex and then a superplex as well stalling superplex at that Ijiro fights back and lands a DDT, blocks an Enziguri and clotheslines Ishii down, buckle bombs him and uh, Yujiro, right? Buckle bombs Ishii like really, really like on the top of his head. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a pretty, it wasn't a pretty sight at all. And because uh, uh, Ishii's head really bounced off the turnbuckle pad, but he was, he was all right. Eh, Tommy Ishii looks like, you know, it's hard Hard to figure out how to put this guy away. Miami Shine connects. Uh, still can't put him away. Pimp Juice still can't put him away. Ishii avoids Big Juice though. Tries the Brain Buster. Yujiro hits another Lariat. But Ishii eventually gets the Brain Buster. And the win. Fine match here. Let yeah, I, Kind of felt like Yujiro's last hurrah. Right? His last, uh, his last attempt at the... Um, at uh, at getting things uh, at getting things done, you know. 
Ishii got the win here. It was important for him to get the win. Like I said, though, as the evening would progress, wouldn't necessarily turn out to be the best situation. But uh, this is where we're at. And uh, Tomohiro Ishii uh, is at uh, 10 points at this, uh, at this stage here. Kenta defeated Tongaloa. This was a very important win for Kenta to remain in contention. And he picked up his two points here. In a good little match. I enjoyed this match. Uh, Kenta and Tongaloa, you know, they two sweet each other. All of Bullet Club here, all of Bullet Club here was going to, um, was going to, uh, throughout, what, 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 all of Bullet Club, let me start over. All of Bullet Club throughout the uh, the proceedings right uh the entire g1 they were uh they were the least um annoying <laughs> like not many like over you know run-ins and shenanigans that were used to bullet club sure you know tried to go to use some nefarious schemes to win some you know lots of low blows and stuff like that don't get me wrong but nothing as compared as previous years where, you know, Bullet Club would really get infuriating, you know, really, really infuriating. Um, there, there was this, like, this real feeling of respect and you kind of felt like, you know, the whole over-cheating thing was really left to the House of Torture. So, you know, it made uh, made for some interesting Bullet Club uh, 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 um, interactions. But Tongaloa here with Kenta, lots of feeling out. Some kicks by Kenta and some stalling, of course. Kenta does the stalling a bit until J Jado just stands in the way. Jado's like, no, you're not you're not doing this anymore. Keeps him from rolling out of the ring. And then Loa starts working on Kenta on the floor. Uh, and in the ring as well, you know, he hits the standing moonsault. Operation Jado killer. Kenta, uh, Kenta hits the flying clothesline, a power slam. They trade kicks until Loa hits an enziguri, then the blue thunderbomb. Kenta with the flying drop kick, the coup de grace. There's a ref bump and a low blow by Kenta after Tonga Loa jaw jacked at him. Jado's mad. He didn't, he didn't care for that at all. He grabs the kendo stick. Ref gets up and then he, oh, he, then he drops the kendo stick a la Eddie Guerrero, right? So the ref, the, so the ref is distracted trying to tend to, to, to Jado. Kenta goes to use the kendo stick while the referee is distracted, but Tongaloa low blows him. Fun little spot. Kenta tries to run out of a powerbomb and uh, roll up Tongaloa, but Loa blocks him until Kenta surprise rolls him up and uh, puts the feet on the ropes for three. But there's still a show of respect, you know, honor among thieves kind of thing. So that was fun little end, fun little end to 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 the match, and an important win for for Kenta, who is up there at 12. Tongaloa's tournament been done for a while at this point. Zack Saber Jr. defeated Nato. Nato, who's Nato? Yano. I want to say hello to Beep Boop. Good to see you. Welcome to the chat. Uh, this starts off fast with Zack Sabre Jr. not hanging around for any uh, Yano shenanigans. Uh, there's even a near fall early on where Yano rolls to the outside to regroup. And, uh, you know, that this is where the shenanigans get in. You know, Yano's like, come fight me on the floor. 
Zack Sabre Jr. is like, no, you come in here. This goes on for a while until Sabre rolls out to the floor and then Yano's in the rolls back into the ring and you know, you know how this goes. Yano picks up Zack Sabre Jr. after a while, uh, after uh, doing some grapples in the ring. He picks him up and he carries him right through the curtain, up the ramp and through the curtain. Yano comes out after some crashes, after the referee starts doing the countdown and Zack Sabre Jr. comes out with a bag on his head and he's like, well, I can't see anything. No, just take off the head and just take off the bag, Zack. <laughs> just take off the bag. They trade some, uh, but, you know, he does take the bag off and he eventually reaches the ring before the count of 20. Uh, there's handcuffs that get involved. Zack Sabre Jr. handcuffs himself to Yano. That wasn't something that they expected, that Yano expected. Um, Zack Sabre Jr. wraps him up in the ring. Yano tries to get the keys, but Zack Sabre Jr. keeps him from getting the keys, leans back in an arm bar. Yano taps. There you go. Was another win for Zack Sabre Jr., who is at 12. Still the guy who's fought, you know, he, he still has the, he doesn't have the wingingest, winging, winningest record, but he's still the only guy who fought Naito in this tournament. And finally, we had uh, Shingo taking on Great Okan and defeating Great Okan. Fun main event. I liked it. I think Great Okan is definitely uh, definitely an asset to this company. They brawl on the floor after shoulder tackling each other in the ring. A big show of strength. You know, two big, strong guys. And this is what this match was, right? This is a good strike exchange that ends with the Mongolian chops, which Shingo returns with his own Mongolian chops and a DDT to take the big guy down. He goes for a sliding D, but it's countered into a half Nelson and into an arm drag by Great Okan. And this is, again, you know, like I said, two guys hitting each other hard. It's a match about who can hit the guy harder, who can hit the other guy harder, who can hurt the other guy more. And it's a it's a blast. It's a good one. They strong style each other. And it's a throw, the, the, the Saito suplex by Shingo that follows, bicycle kick by Great Okan, lariat by Shingo, backdrop suplex by Great Okan, and then a sliding D by Shingo that puts an end to that really fun sequence. Speed and power moves, it's good stuff. Shingo gets caught over in an over-the-knee backbreaker. Great Okan slams him over his knee, then into a power slam just as Shingo starts to fight back. Shingo blocks two shots by Great Okan and swings him into a Made in Japan. Great Okan hits a gourd buster. Great Okan with, uh, with, the, with the punch, right? Boom! But Shingo doesn't go down. He answers with a lariat. And the last of the dragon puts Great Okan away. Fun main event. You know, Great Okan... Looking great in these main event spots. He's holding his own. It's fantastic stuff. I enjoyed it. it was a good night. Uh, it was a good. It was a good main event. Strong stuff. I'm telling you, Great Okan. He's um, he's building up the rep to be something special for the company. 
you know, I'm not saying that he's going to be main eventing the Tokyo Dome in two years' time, maybe, but uh, he's definitely getting up there. Connor McCabe, good to see you. Welcome. second here there we go all right so move on to night 16 block b dgmc no quiet shush We'll be, uh, we're heading over to night 16 here, right? Block. We'll come back to block A to talk about the possibilities and, you know, the, the stuff that's that's bubbling underneath here. But let's move on to night B. Now, as opposed to block A, block B has been very dominant or dominated by two guys and a third guy, right? So there's... You know, this was one of these G1 situations where, you know, you you kind of you kind of look at some of the undermatches of guys who've been eliminated because most of the field in block B has been eliminated, right? Tanahashi, Sonata, Tamatanga, Goto, Yoshihashi, Taichi, Chase Owens, they're all out of the tournament. So when you sit down to watch an evening of pro wrestling and you know you've got Chase Owens versus Tai Chi, you're like, well, what's the point? You know, I'm like, there's, you know, a lot of the emotional investment in tournament wrestling that's taken out of it when you're like, well, these guys are eliminated. Same thing with Sonata and Goto. Same thing with Tanahashi versus Yoshihashi. I'm like, you know, I, these matches don't hold any, any stakes, especially when we're so close to the end of the tournament here, when, when everything is just happening between three guys at the top, like, well, you know, it's kind of hard to get into it. The emotional investment isn't necessarily there. Sorry to say. But, um, but yeah, this is where we're at right now. And you can question yourself. You can say, well, the, you know, look, the best way to avoid this kind of situation is not book, you know, your your tournament finals in this fashion here. Where you have just like three, three matches out of your five match card, which have no implications in your finals. You know, that's the majority of the evening. You know, like we had T Chase Owens defeating Tai Chi. You know, fun little match to start off. Didn't overstay its welcome. Oh, you know, Owens screws with Tai Chi to start with, you know, doing trying to get bait him into doing sumo stuff. All right, that's fine. Anyway, simple, you know, it's a simple match that ends with an Alabama jam by Chase Owens. A little shout out to beautiful Bobby Eaton. Package pile driver, a clean win. Uh, Chase Owens uh, gets another win. Good for him. You know, uh, fantastic. Sonata versus Goto, you know, it's just, you know, one of these 
matches these seem to happen a lot to Sonata where Sonata tries to do the other dude's offense and then the other dude tries to do it does tries to do hit Sonata's offense then and then you know, you know and it was a it was an okay match don't get me wrong again just no personal investment in this match two guys that aren't moving forward that that the win doesn't change anything there's no spoilers for anyone else it's like this is a completely eventless match for the g1 and it kind of came across like that way it was hardly it was hard fought not hardly fought it was hard fought but it ended up just being you know average and and I get it, you know, you, you as you're putting on live matches, you can't make every one of these matches like sub 10 minutes, right? Because then the audience has to feel like they got their money's worth. I understand that. But then again, you don't then don't book it this way. You know, it was a little too long for what it was. And all right. Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Yoshihashi. I actually like this match. I thought this was this was fun. You know, I'm. Am I am I starting to warm to Yoshihashi, perennial underdog, hardworking Yoshihashi, right? Ah. <laughs> like I don't know. I don't know what the deal is here. I think I might be I think I might be slowly buying into Yoshihashi, the the underdog, you know, taking taking lessons wherever he can to mount forth these big comebacks this was well wrestled and Tanahashi was extremely generous with him and gave him a lot and he and Yoshihashi took every opportunity he had he he's worked hard this entire tournament there's nothing wrong with that you can't you can't fault him with that he worked hard the entire tournament they lock each other up in chanceries at some point they start hitting twists and shouts on each other it's pretty cool Pump handle, bag, pump handle backbreaker by Yoshihashi and a Meteora. Kumagoroshi, but Tanahashi kicks out of the pin attempt. Karma gets reversed into a twist and shout. Yoshihashi is fired up, but he eats a sling blade, and ace is high in a high fly flow. That's it. Again, another strong performance by Yoshihashi. It's good. It's good stuff. I mean, there's nothing, nothing bad to say about it. It was... And... You know, here's the thing: is like if if Gato really wanted to get behind Yoshihashi and start m m taking him seriously outside of the G1 and outside of never six man titles, he'd be he'd be great. I think I we'd get to the G1 next year and everything would be fantastic. Jeff Cobb and Evil had their match. This had direct implications. Here was a very important match for Jeff Cobb, even more important for Evil if Evil wanted to uh, be considered as a, a potential block winner. He had to absolutely win this match. Well, he didn't. <laughs> Jeff Cobb defeated him. He beat him. And I like this match a lot. You know, Jeff Cobb wasn't screwing around with Evil here. Slugs him right at the start of the match. Evil goes to Chop Cobb, who is immovable, right? And this is the this is ultimately the story of the match here. Cobb once again 
full invincible mode. You know what I mean by invincible, not like uh, none of the offense, he no sells all the time. Not That's not what I mean. He could not, evil, evil was outclassed by a much more resilient and powerful opponent. Because the only way evil can get uh, any, um, uh, uh, any advantages on Cobb is to go, is to use chicanery. It's the only way. It spills to the floor. Evil does the home run chair swing with while Togo distracts the ref and they do the timekeeper table spot. And the ref, and the timekeeper took a hell of a spill too, or that. But then Cobb reverses things on Evil, brings him over to the timekeeper's table, rams his head a couple of times on it, puts the bell hammer you know, in his hand to sort of signify that he's the timekeeper. Then Cobb grabs Dick Togo and does the timekeeper spot, but evil being on the on the table side this time. So fun. I like that. Of course, the match doesn't end. There we go back into the ring. He hits the standing moonsault and gets a a, a close three a three count on the uh, on the pin attempt after that. Evil eye rakes his way out of the tour of the islands and uses the exposed turnbuckle to get the upper hand on Cobb. Cobb does the corner running thing where he's carrying evil on his shoulders. There's a ref bump. Cobb hits the Oklahoma stampede and all this time, the ref bump, they're doing the Oklahoma stampede. He was carrying big old evil right on his shoulder. Like it's an impressive feat of strength. Togo hits Cobb with a chair. He and Evil team up to do the magic killer. The referee is back. Evil hits Darkness Falls. That doesn't put Cobb away. Cobb goes for the spin cycle, causes another ref bump. And then Togo comes in with the garrote. Cobb fights them off. He eats a low blow. He avoids a chair shot and hits the Tory of the Islands on Evil to get the win. So... The House of Torture here did everything they could to get on top of Jeff Cobb here, but it just couldn't happen. Cobb, too strong, too powerful, uh, too great, too great of a, uh, too great of a guy to, uh, to actually have that happen. And, you know, you can kind of wonder, you know, what, what's the, uh, what's the end game? What's the end game for um, what is the end game here for evil in regards to his to his new Japan uh, advancements and so on and so forth? And I saw the the Super J cast they were talking about evil, and it makes a lot of sense to me. I do have original thoughts, but when I don't, you know, I you know, I source them. Sometimes you read stuff and you're like, oh, this makes a lot of sense to me. And I like this idea where evil is probably just better off being positioned as a guy who, you know, he's a mid-card guy who can sneak his way into top situations and then eventually just like, you know, eventually just have everything sort of um 
and then have everything sort of break apart, you know, sort of be, be this spoiler to sort of make everyone kind of pissed off and maybe even reach the main event, maybe even get the title again, but then head on back to to to, to mid-card where he just hangs around for a while. Maybe, maybe that's exactly what his role should be. And it kind of makes sense to me. Because no one, no one really cares about main event evil. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a thing now, right? It's kind of a fear that everyone has. He worked this match fine. He worked it like a, like a heel. And I'll even go as far as to say this, you know, sometimes I look at how the, the evil match, the evil matches are booked and they are booked so completely to the antithesis of what a new, what you expect anyway, out of a new Japan match with all the the interference and stuff, you know, it almost feels like he's designed to be, you know, the North American, the North American promotion heel. Let's go right out and say it like the WWE heel that uses all, you know, all sorts of devices and chicanery to, to get to non finishes or, you know, screw job endings. Something that a lot of us don't like hate so when you start seeing that in new japan you're like no this isn't the place to do it but maybe this is exactly the calculated reason why evil acts the way he does so the fact that he's the wwe villain just make you know since he's calling on all these tropes that we see all the time in wwe or historically are a part of wwe though then maybe you know Maybe you know we're on uh, we're on the right track here to understanding what is the uh, role here. And in the so so basically, what this set out to do was um, what this set out to do was or what it successfully did is eliminate evil from contention as the block winner and place Jeff Cobb up at 16 points at the top. But then we had Kazuchika Okada versus Tamatanga. And at this point, you know, Okada was coming into the tournament, was coming into this night with 14 points. Um, and his last match is with Jeff Cobb. So once Evil lost, Okada was safe. There was no reason... You know, as as far as safe as far as being a contender to winning the the final uh to winning the block evil's out of the way so it's just him and Cobb so regardless of whether Okada won or lost on night 16 it would still boil down to him and Cobb exclusively so Okada Win or lose is still a contender, and he lost. He lost against Tamatanga, uh, who had a fantastic match against the Rainmaker. Because, yeah, that's it. And uh, maybe this is something that Okada had in the back of his mind. He's like, eh, whatever happens, I still have a shot at the block. I don't care. Lots of grappling at first from both guys until Tamatanga starts getting real physical, takes Tom Okada down with that Meng chop that he does, which is really cool. Okada hits the basement dropkick and a neck breaker. It spills to the floor. Tama hits a cutter 
across the barricade on Okada, which was pretty pretty dope. And it's a physical match, so there's going to be there's going to be a lot of a lot of people hitting each other, trying to hit hit big moves. Okada hits a big flapjack and a DDT. Drop kicks Tama off the top turnbuckle to the floor. There's a draping DDT on the floor off the barricade. Back in the ring, Okada tries to hit, set in the money clip. Tama fights out, fights back with a clasping DDT. Tongan twist. Goes for a gun stun, but it's interrupted by a spinning rainmaker. Then Tama fights back with a Death Valley bomb and an angel dive. And Tama just hammers him down, but he eats a drop kick. There's a fun little sequence here. Okada, Okada hits a tombstone, goes for the Rainmaker, it's ducked. Tama goes for a gun stun, it's blocked. There's another Rainmaker that follows up. Tama ducks again. Tama avoids another drop kick, goes for the gun stun again. It's blocked again. So he so he hits a bloody Sunday. That's right. Homage to Bullet Club OG Prince Debit right there. Soon after that, Tamatonga's in a landslide position, but he reverses out of it with a DDT-style driver. And he hits a double underhook pile driver, beating the Rainmaker in the ring. One, two, three. It was good stuff. Tamatonga, after the match, you know, has this post-match promo and says, like, this is where I restart my history. Is this, is, is this where we're... I mean... You know, I don't know how deep we need to look into these these comments, this comment specifically, but it's exciting to think, for me anyway, that Tamatanga is going to get like a little something extra, a little nudge, a little push, a little, a little something more than just being the guy in Gorillas of Destiny. Because I was... You know, I've I've seen people being like, well, you know, is is he going? Is Tamatanga? Is he gonna? Is he gonna make a play for the leadership of Bullet Club? Is he gonna start kicking people out? You never know. But I was really excited about the ending. I thought it was a good main event, and Tamatanga's been great throughout the uh, throughout the tournament. It's like I was saying last night on on the stream, but you know, I'll talk about it more when i wrap everything up on 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 my on my final recap show next week but if we're going to remember this g1 for anything if the g131 climax will be remembered for anything it will be remembered for the the excellent work from the undercard guys from yoshihashi from the gorillas of destiny from uh chase owens all of the, those four guys in particular fantastic work even it even throw even though they're all in losing efforts and Tamatanga actually scored the highest amount of points from uh between all of them at uh six these are all guys that you felt when you saw them oh they just tossed in here because you know kind of thing because we don't have anyone else to put in there good stuff You know, I wouldn't sit here and recommend you to watch 
you know, I wouldn't recommend you watching like anything in particular. I think, you know, there were solid nights, but if you feel like skipping them, you absolutely can. I think Jeff Cobb versus Evil is a fun time. And I think Tamatanga versus Kazuchika Okada is really good. If anything, you know, the last two matches of night 16, go right ahead. So you see on, on, on the screen right now, the standings where we are as we are leading into uh, night, the final two nights, night 17 and 18 of the G131 Climax. Or the G1 Climax 31. Block B, very simple. We talked about it. I should have I should have crossed out evil. I don't know why I didn't do it. But he's effectively eliminated. There's nothing, nothing that can be done at this point. Block B, night 16. There's only one match that really concerns us that we're should that should that that has any real investment. It's the final. It's Jeff Cobb versus Kazuchika Okada. It's the final match. It's the one the two guys who have the most points. If Okada wins, well, if you know Jeff Cobb wins, he wins. If Okada wins, he'll tie Jeff Cobb, but he has the tiebreaker since he will have defeated Jeff Cobb, and he'll move on as the block winner. I think this is what's going to happen. I think Kazuchika Okada is winning the whole thing this year. Block A is where things get oh so sweet. But also so, so, so complicated. And uh, I'm going to give a big shout out to Chris Samza. Does the stats, the New Japan stats, at the Chris Samza on Twitter, sportofprowrestling.com. He does all the stats. So he sat down and made the job so simple for guys like me. <laughs> come here and talk about the possibilities for the conclusion of block A because there's four guys at the top. Tomohiro Ishii is officially, like he's out. He's no longer in, con in contention. But block A is going to be really exciting. It's going to be really interesting because there are four matches. There, there are four guys who are going to be fighting four matches on... Uh, on... Um, on night 17. <laughs> I blanked out for a second. On night 17. And they are all fighting. They're not fighting amongst each other. They're all fighting. Except for Ibushi and Kenta. Sorry, that's right. So. It's going to be exciting to see what they're going to do here. Now, Chris Samza sit, sat down. And he devised that there are. 16 probable scenarios for victory here. 16! There's 16 ways that he's come up with for this guy to win the match. <laughs> and out of these six possibilities, the, the one guy who has the most amount of chances to win is Kenta. The guy who has the least amount of chances to win is Shingo. But Kenta, I would argue, has the most convoluted ways of winning here. Let's walk you through this, okay? Let's 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 start going down this path here. 
Scenario number one on the final night. Ibushi versus Kenta. Ibushi defeats Kenta. If Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Tangaloa, Shingo defeats Yujiro Takahashi, the Tokyo Pain. I'm not going to do that every time. And, and Tomohiro Ishii defeats Yano, which, you know, whatever. Ibushi, Sabre, and Shingo will all tie at 14 points, but Zack has the uh has the um the uh he has the uh tiebreakers on both Ibushi and Shingo so Zack goes for it this is actually probably the most simple outcome here this is probably the most simplest resolution let's try another scenario here Ibushi defeating Kenta Tangaloa defeating Zack Sabre Jr Shingo defeating Yujiro and Ishii defeating Yano that would leave Ibushi and Shingo at 14 points each. But Ibushi has the tiebreaker on Shingo. So Ibushi would move on, would be the winner of block A. Let's try this scenario here. Ibushi defeats Kenta. Tangaloa defeats Zack Sabre Jr. Yujiro defeats Shingo. And Ishii defeats Yano. Ibushi, Ibushi, Ibushi would be the only wrestler at 14 points, so he wins the block. So if Zack and Shingo lose, and Ibushi wins, Ibushi moves forward. That's even simpler, I think, than the original Zack Sabre Jr. plan. That's even simpler. A little improbable, but... You know, because here's the thing: like Tongaloa might actually pick up a win here, because all the, all of the, um, like I mean, just uh, Tamatanga got three wins here, out of the Tongans here. Tongaloa got one. He still might, you know, and everyone got a big upset. He, this might be his big upset against uh, against uh, Saber. We'll see. Now, if Ibushi defeats Kenta, again, Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Tongaloa. Yujiro defeats Shingo and Ishii defeats Yano. Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. will tie at 14. Zack Sabre Jr. will move forward as the winner of the block because he has the tiebreaker on Ibushi. We still haven't talked about Kenta yet. We're getting there. Ibushi, in this scenario here, Ibushi defeats Kenta. Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Tongaloa. And Shingo defeats Yujiro, but... Yano defeats Ishii. It's the same scenario. I don't know why I went, but it's the same scenario as the first time. Zack Sabre Jr. is two has the tiebreakers on Ibushi and Shingo, so that'll be that'll be that'll be the end of that. Zack wins the block. Ibushi defeats Kenta. Tangaloa defeats Zack Sabre Jr. Shingo defeats Yujiro, and. Uh, Yano defeats Ishii, same situation, Ibushi and Shingo at 14, Ibushi wins. Like, basically, the Yano and Ishii matches, in situations where Ibushi defeats Kenta, it has uh, it has no incidents. It doesn't apply. So I'm going to skip a couple, of, uh, a couple of scenarios here, start moving into, uh, start moving on to, uh, to one of the more complicated ones. Uh, I'm going to try and ex try and walk through it as clearly as possible. Let's Kenta defeats Ibushi first and foremost. Hello Evan, nice to see you. Welcome to the chat. 
Kenta defeats Ibushi. Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Tangaloa. Shingo defeats Yujiro. And Yano defeats Ishii. Kenta, Zack Sabre Jr. and Shingo all tie at 14. Kenta, Zack Sabre Jr. and Shingo all have a tiebreaker against each other. So then we go back to tiebreakers over wrestlers at 12 points. Which is Ibushi, basically. Kenta has a tiebreaker. So does Zack Sabre Jr. But Shingo does it. So Shingo's eliminated. Then you have to go to head-to-head competition. Kenta defeated Zack Sabre Jr. You go to head-to-head competition. Kenta defeated Zack Sabre Jr. So Kenta would win the block in that situation. Kenta's wins get a little more complicated. Let's move on to this one here. Kenta defeats Ibushi. Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Tangaloa. Shingo defeats Yujiro. And Ishii defeats Yano. Kenta, Zack Sabre Jr., Shingo all tied at 14. Kenta, Zack Sabre Jr. and Shingo all have a tiebreaker against each other. We go to the head-to-head again. Next level down is Ibushi and Ishii at 12. Kenta has two tiebreakers there. Zack Sabre Jr. only has one. Shingo has one. Kenta wins the block. Now, just the fact that these scenarios are somewhat complicated, I feel that Gato won't go this path. But there is a simple way for for Kenta to win the match, uh, win the block. Here's how it goes. Kenta, of course, has to defeat Ibushi. That's the prime prime suspect here. That's the first thing. Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Tangaloa. Yujiro defeats Shingo. And Ishii defeats Yano. That ties Kenta and Sabre at 14. Kenta wins because he has the tiebreaker over Sabre. That's a simple one. Got another. Uh, so so that, that's a simple way to do it. Shingo. On his hand. If Kenta defeats Ibushi, Tangaloa defeats Zack Sabre Jr., he wins against Yujiro and Ishii defeats Yano. Shingo wins the block on a tiebreaker over Kenta because he and Kenta will tie for 14 points. And all the other scenarios here possible involve Kenta. No, not all of them. There's another Shingo possibility here where Kenta defeats Ibushi. Tonga Loa defeats Zack Sabre Jr. Shingo defeats Yujiro. And Yano defeats Ishii. Kenta, Shingo tied again at 14. Shingo has the tiebreaker on Kenta, so he moves forward. If Kenta defeats Ibushi and Tonga Loa defeats Zack Sabre Jr., Yujiro defeats Shingo and Ishii defeats Yano, Kenta is the only wrestler at 14. And it's the same thing if Yano defeats Ishii and Tangaloa and Yujiro win as well. He'll be the only wrestler at 14 and he wins the block. That's a very improbable situation. And if uh, if Kenta defeats Ibushi, Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Tangaloa, Yujiro defeats Shingo, and Yano defeats Ishii, Kenta and Zack Sabre Jr. will tie at 14 points and Kenta will win the block on the tiebreaker over Zack Sabre Jr. So Kenta really does have the most probable, the most amount of scenarios. He has a couple of probable ones, but they're not, mm, they're not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they're not, uh, they're a little convoluted. Let's put it that way, right? They're a little convoluted. So we'll see what happens. We'll definitely see what happens.
happens. But hey, I'm excited to see what, what how this is going to happen. And it's all happening Monday and Wednesday this week. Block A, final night, October 18. Of course, the main event being Kodabushi versus Kenta. And I think it's going to go boil down to those two. But it's going to be exciting throughout the evening. Because Shingo has a match, Sabre has a match, and then we're wrapping up with Kota Ibushi and Kenta. I honestly don't know where they're going to go. I feel like Shingo's not going to win. I feel like they're not going forward with Shingo. My gut wants to tell me that they're going with Kota Ibushi, but I feel like Zack Sabre Jr. should get it because Zack had a really good tournament. Just tore through everything. And again, being the only guy who wrestled the full, uh, the full uh, field, right? Cap it off. Make it make it feel make it feel like it's worth something. So that'll be exciting. As for October 20 on Wednesday, the final night of block B. I mean, there's one match really that that interests us, and it's Kazushko Kata versus Jeff Cobb. You know, everyone else in the block there will just be fighting for pride, adding some points, but there nothing else on the card has any implication on the main event. Even if Evil wins his match against Sonata, which he probably will if you ask me, it'll bring him up to 14 points, but Okada has the win over... Um, so, but if Okada wins, Okada's at 16 points. If Okada loses, Jeff Cobb will be at 18 and wins. Like, evil is out of it. So there's nothing that can affect the outcome of the block out of Kazuchika Okada versus Jeff Cobb. So that's the match. That's the main attraction. That's the big one. They were, look, they set it up the entire tournament for it to be the final boss for Okada. This is where we are. That's where we're at right now. Um, and where we're, but like right now we are at the end of this evening's recap. So, um, we're going to wrap it up. Why not? Thank you everyone for, for joining me and hanging out. We've got one more. I'll be back then on, uh, on Wednesday to, to break down the, the, the rest of the tournament, right? To, to, to break it all down and, and, and bid adieu to the G1 climax 31 this year so i'm excited i'm excited to see how this is all gonna run out block a is pretty cool and uh some final thoughts and all that so be sure to be here again whether you're live watching live or on demand on youtube.com slash mr warren hayes or on your favorite podcast application whatever you prefer it's uh it's up to you and i support your decision which wherever you decide to listen to me. So thank you again, everyone. I hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you next time.